You're listening to Dr. Leslie Inspires, a show where we empower mothers by raising their level of awareness, discussing tough mother-son issues that everyone knows exists, but no one is talking about. Dr. Leslie is joined by Mr. Wayne, who provides insight from a male perspective. To learn more about us, visit our website at www.drlesleyinspires.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Leslie. Father God in heaven, we come before you again. Thank you for this day, beautiful day that you blessed us with to entertain and love and learn and enjoy one another, God. So we also pray that you bless this Dominic today as she brings her story. Help us all to continue to learn and grow and embrace and support. We love you dearly. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 So she's, uh, our guest speaker for tonight is uh, on her way in. So we will just go ahead and uh, get started with the intro. want to thank you all for getting on the call tonight. I know you all had so many different things, but I thank God for this 30 day, uh, 30 days of pandemic mom to chrysalis mom. And that is uh, a mother who is uh, learning some strategies so that she can get some peace in her life. Dr. Leslie Inspires is an organization uh, that was birthed out of me being a public and private school educator, seeing the disparities between women and their sons, and just trying to find a way to give women a safe platform to help them to feel comfortable with finding strategies to help them help themselves to uh, help us to create better men, better fathers, so that they can be better in the community. So without further ado, Miss Tiana Dominic, <laughs> could you please give us a little background about yourself? All right. Well, um, I am, um, I'm a K through 12 educator, um, primarily uh, science. Um, now I'm, uh, I've been thrusted into the world of gifted, so I work in uh, the central office um, here in uh, the city of Alexandria, Virginia, which is about maybe 10 or 15 minutes outside of DC, but right next door. Um, I'm a mother um, of, of two. Um, I, I had a son who uh, recently passed away in August due to gun violence. Um, and so I hate using this word, but he was my stepson. So. Um, uh, when I married his dad, he, they were a package deal. And so um, I was a step-parent before I was a real parent. And um, and so uh, I have a daughter also, um, which, you know, was his sister. Um, she's 13. And um, is there anything else? I, you know everything about me already. <laughs> so this feels a little weird. Just you know, anything, I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's a... A little bit about my education background, um, my personal background. Uh, I'm, I have two younger sisters. I'm from a two-parent home. I'm originally from New Orleans. Uh, we met in Atlanta, and I'm just living every day by God's grace. So, so Ms. Dominic, you said uh, earlier that you had a son, um, and you used had past tense. Can you give us um, a little bit of background? Tell us what happened uh, in that situation with your son, why it's past tense and not present. Um, 
kids get older, they make their own choices. Sum that up. So um, when I met Christopher, he was about six. Um, so his, his father was raising him. Um, he was my, my daughter's father, who is now my ex-husband. We we're like, we we're like the best of them. And, um, you know, he lived with us for, for quite a few years um, until our divorce. Um, and then he, you know, my, for whatever reason, he went back home with his mother. Um, I, I have a few theories on why I think that happened. But, you know, of course, once you divorce, you kind of forfeit some of your rights. I mean, being a step parent is already a very um, interesting position to be in because the worst thing about the child is that it's not yours. That you can't do everything that you want to do with this kid that you love. So, um, you know, try, trying to speak more from facts and not from what I think happened. Um, we had a young man who, you know, my son had all the, he had all the potential in the world and was making great strides. Full scholarship to college, because this happened, um, he was 21 when he passed. It was August um, 26th. And, um, just got, got mixed up with the wrong crowd. And uh, one, one it, it does, it, all it takes is one bad decision, one not so great friend. You can change the whole course of your life in some kind of term. So, Ms. Dominic, in terms of some of those changes, can you tell us a little bit about your son? What kind of, um, Son, was he? He wasn't there when you first got married, right? No, he was there. He was there throughout the whole dating process. The whole time. Okay, so throughout. I, the dating. I dated my ex-husband and Chris like that. It was a package deal. <laughs> okay, perfect. So you were not surprised when he ended up coming to stay with you all? No, because he was always there. I, I, you know, when we got married, I moved in to my ex-husband's house. So first, I, I moved in on them. I was the one single, no kids. He was the guy with the son, and, um, and it was a it was a big adjustment for me. But I, I loved them both, so it was it was great. I mean, um, I, you know, I left my marriage for other reasons. Other reasons it had nothing to do with his son. Um, and then. Um, I mean, you know, speaking, I guess to answer your question, speaking, you asked me about Chris, right? It's kind of right. like- What about your relationship with Chris? Your relationship with him? My relationship with Chris was good. Um, I know I, I could tell, and you gotta understand, I'm 40 now. So this was a 20 something year old me, early 20s. But being that I came from a two parent home, not just any two-parent home, but my parents actually still like and love each other. It was a stable two-parent home. I did I did come into it with a lot of emotional intelligence. And so I know that he missed his mom. Um, part of the reason why he was with his dad was because his mom decided that she um, wanted to go back to school and she wanted to become a nurse. Um, so when, when, when my ex-husband and, and she was his first wife, when they got together, they were very, very young, like like 19 or something. And they married and, um, and probably just married because there was a, there was a child and it didn't work. 
so my ex-husband, he's an economist. He, he had time to kind of get his thing together. And at some point, it was his turn because she needed that energy and that time to go back to nursing school. So, you know, I'm, I'm coming into um, a blended family situation and, and there's this young boy who needs a mother figure. I don't even know how to be a mother because I've never been a mother. So can't say I was like great there, but I can tell you what I was good at. I loved him. I didn't know how to love him. And I knew that I, I knew me being a teacher and, and me coming from a loving home, I wouldn't have treated him any different than I would have treated any kid, even a stranger. So um, he was a good kid, full of life, very rambunctious. I don't have any brothers. So seeing little boys jump off of couches, running around the house with their shirt off, those were new things for me. I, what I learned is little boys have way more energy than little girls. I'm not going to sit down and sit uh, He was a skateboarder. Um, you know, the first thing he told me when we met was he looked at his dad and then he looked at me and he came real close to me and he sniffed me. He went, Dad, she smells good. <laughs> like he was that kid. Like he just never knew what was going to come out of his mouth. But he was so respectful. Um, he just had a personality that would win you over. But you would be like, boy, you're something else. Uh, there was also another side to him, though, because with that free spirit, with that fun, um, he, 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 could, he wasn't bad, you know? And I know post-mortem, everybody's the same, but, you know, Dr. Leslie knows me very well. I will tell the truth on anybody, including my own. And, and you know, so um, he really was a good kid, but he could be mischievous. He was that kid, if you told him to do something, he didn't want to do it, he wouldn't disrespect you, but you'd look up and it would be done anyway. And he would just quietly accept his punishment. So I say all of that to say, you gotta look at the traits and your kids from little. And, and I personally don't believe that you can change kids. I think that you have to look at what you're working with, figure out how to make it. Um, and so, you know, didn't really get into trouble at school much, made, uh, made excellent grades. Uh, usually straight A's, an occasional C here and there. Um, and I would help him with his homework. I mean, he was small at the time, but he never really required a lot from me in terms of studying. And he was great. Um, as he got older, um, he would still, so by this point, you know, he's, so I kind of see the elementary school. But by the time he was kind of edging towards middle school, me and his dad, we were already over. Now, why he went back to go his mom, that's a question really that my ex-husband and his mother would have to answer. I, I kind of believe you can have a good father or it's just a good father. That's just my philosophy. Um, like, women, we do the best we can, but I can't really show you how to be a man. I'm not a man. And so, um, where my, where my ex-husband was at the time was, I think he was really trying to move up the ladder at work, he was chasing his career. And I do believe, I, I know he loves, I know he loved Chris. But I think Chris was missing his mom and he just didn't fight it. And you know, our home at that point was already broken. Um, me and Chris's mother, we got along fine. Um, she was really disappointed to hear that we were not together. But she was like, oh my God, when you guys got married, 
I felt better about it because I felt like my son was going to have some kind of balance. Um, so once he got back to New Orleans, he, he did middle school, he did high school. And so at this point, I'm kind of behind the curtain, right? So I don't really ask about Chris. I'm not really hearing much about him. I'm talking to him periodically. He's with his mom now, so it's, it's a bit different. Um, and so, you know, you check in and how you doing, babe? I miss you, blah. But you know, kids lie about what's going on. So a lot of what I'm getting ready to share with you are things I didn't learn about my son until after he died. So his high school year, um, I don't know if it was, I think, yeah, I believe it was the senior year or the end of his junior year? I can't remember. I'm going to say senior year because it might have been the end of his junior year. But he was caught selling prescription drugs. He went to private school. So, um, which means nothing. I mean, as I think many people have figured out, um, the, kids are, the kids are a challenge. Or as we say, bad. They're a challenge in, in public school and they're no different in private school. The only difference is you have a group of parents that are willing to pay money and they're probably going to be a little more involved um, if that kid acts up. So um, at that time, um, I didn't know anything of this was going on. So when I'm talking to Chris on the phone, when he's calling up here to talk to his sister, it's always good conversation. You know, like the type of thing you have with your grandma. How you doing, baby? I'm doing good. You know what I'm saying? You need anything? No, I'm straight. What's been going on? So you, you know, you, you're catching up. But you're never getting the bad report. Never getting the bad stuff. And I guess, you know, my ex-husband didn't feel the need to talk about the bad stuff. And I would ask, and I knew I knew something was going on, but my ex-husband didn't bring it up. He would just say, you know, I'm dealing with something with Chris right now. And you can just tell when you're pushing to get some information and a person just doesn't want to share. And and and, and, and I didn't I, you know. I felt a way about it, but I felt like at the same time, I didn't have a right to feel a way about it because I said, well, I divorced. So maybe I forfeited my right to knowing all the business. And if Chris didn't want to share certain things, then that's fine. So my role, I felt like was what it always was from the very beginning, to be there, just to be there and to be that positive presence called on. So, um, but yeah, he, he was selling prescription drugs. Um, I can't tell you where you got it from because that's the information that wasn't shared with me. Uh, I think that's probably somebody from the school. I mean, that's, you know, so um, they were, they, they, they suspended him and they were, they were pretty much talking about putting him out. And um, my ex-husband and his, and his, and Chris's mother went to um, the principal, which the school's ran my own Jesuit priest. So, we call father. So it went to father and um, basically plead or beg for Chris to come back. And um, and he did, graduated, got a scholarship to Texas Southern, did great first year, band scholarship. He was a gifted musician. And um, first year went great. So, you know, between middle school up until about high school, he would come up here to visit. He would come up to Atlanta to visit every summer. So I would, he would come to visit his dad. And so his dad worked all the time. I'm a teacher, so at this time, I was all I wasn't like working in, um, 
in the administrative side of things like I am now. So I wasn't a, a 20 or 40 day employee. So I would always come up with things for them to do during the summer. When they were younger, it was camps. When they got older, it was just different vacations and stuff. So he would still spend a lot of time with me throughout the summer. So we had a relationship. Uh, but anyway, the, um, the, 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 the selling of the drugs um, started back up. Um, his second year of school, uh, and I'm a realist. Maybe it never stopped. Sometimes kids get real, you know, you catch a kid doing something. And you don't remove them completely from that environment. In my opinion, they just get better at the shit that they do. I don't really think a lot. Sometimes they stop. I don't really, you know, I've, I've known enough kids throughout the years to know how crafty children can be and how, how blind parents are to things that they don't want to deal with. So, but you know, um, you know, keep in mind when all this was going on, I, had, I didn't have a clue. I wasn't privy to, to these things going on in real time. And, you know, I don't know if I could have made a difference, but I was shut out in that way. Um, and I'm gonna say even by Chris himself, but, but I don't blame him because kids, ain't, kids are not gonna tell you the bad things. They're embarrassed. They're, they're ashamed. They don't want you to know. But his mother never shared anything with me. My ex-husband never shared anything with me. We're on the phone all the time talking about our daughter. I'm asking you about, you know, our son. And I get sketchy information. So. When he, um, I guess when the, whatever occurred on campus, um, and, and, and so now this is everything that's being told to me post war after Chris's face. And something says that he, uh, he, he they, I don't know if he got put out of school or at that point, Chris's mother and my ex-husband made him leave Texas. Um, because I remember my ex-husband telling me the laws in Texas are way stricter when it comes to black males and getting in trouble and he didn't want his son getting caught up in it. Um, but yet at this point, Chris is over 18. My ex-husband was steadily urging him to come back. That I was aware of. I just wasn't aware of why in real time. Um, and I was all for it. I was like, yeah, yeah, make him come back. Make him come back. We miss him. Because at the time I was still living in Atlanta didn't realize it was like for like, these things and um that wasn't successful he never came back he ended up going back to be with his mom i think out of either both of them she was the more lenient parent um and that's ultimately uh where he lost his life what happened uh he was shot um in a car um in his car he was uh, parked in broad daylight in front of a friend's house waiting for a friend to come out. And another young man that he knew came up to the car and killed him. You said the um, during our conversation, the he had had a conversation with that person prior to shooting. Yeah, so when the police checked the, you know, when they conducted the investigation or what have you, um, uh, so when we got the news, you know, you get the news immediately. So a lot of things are up in the air. You don't know what 
details are still coming out. This was in the newspaper, it was on the news. Um, and so uh, we found out later that, um, yeah, he had the, when they checked the phone records, that was the last person that he had spoke to. So this was somebody you know. Obviously, the conversation couldn't have been ideal. Um, and, you know, we're living in a generation, you know, some people might say, well, you know, what if it was a setup? What if the friend who he was waiting for um, that was in the house set him up? That's a possibility. But it also could have been as simple as you getting into an argument with a person and giving your location. It, these things are much different than, than how we were. You know, you got to think about social media. You have to think about how on your iPhone you can drop a pin anywhere and let somebody know where you're at at this very second. You got to think about how these kids, I think about the rapper Pop Smoke. He was on Instagram Live and he was a rapper. And he, he was showing people like packages, like Gucci and all this stuff he was receiving from the record company of gifts. And he had his address on it. And like right after that, he came and robbed him and killed him. So these kids have no sense of boundaries. And when they get mad, I mean, I've seen it play out in front of my very own eyes. They say things, I'm a, I'm a mother of a teenager. They say things like, pull up, pull up. It's my address right here. I'm gonna drop a pin, pull up. And it's not a fight on site. They're coming with guns. Because that's another thing. They don't fight the way that we used to. And whoever gets beat up, it's over. They're coming to cancel you, okay? Or if we do fight and I get the best of you, you might as well pack your bags and move move to Cuba somewhere because if I catch you on the street, I'm going to kill you because you shamed me. And, you know, Chris was really, really intelligent. With that comes a smart-ass mouth. You got to think about this young man is older. He is college. He is becoming college educated, so he finished his first year, year or so of, of undergrad. You've been schooled at some of the better schools in the city of New Orleans. You come from, you know, you come from the the, 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 the midst of a nurse, a teacher, an economist, but yet when you get back to New Orleans, you're hanging with thugs. These are your friends, and these are your friends. Not, these are not your friends. The people you're trying to be down with, the people you are trying to prove something to, and they'll let you come on in, but the whole while, they hate your guts. And all it takes is for one bad argument, one slick comment, one, one shade, as they call it, and it kind of gets ugly from there. And that's really what I think happened, because when the police talked to us, the, the detective, um, it wasn't a drug deal gone bad. Um, and I'm not saying that he was he was not down there doing that because I'm pretty sure him hanging with whoever he was hanging with he probably was selling something um but at that moment that wasn't an exchange um he wasn't robbed so it had to be something else it was something personal um and he had a gun on him so why do you carry a gun for protection. So something was going on and you felt like just in case, let me bring this with me everywhere else. Go. So that that that's all I really know about, about that. And then what happened on social media? 
uh, with social media is how they found the killer. Because like I said, these kids have no transparency. And frankly, some of them are just plain unintelligent, the way that they carry on. Um, so, you know, at, when, when the news, uh, when, when the news hit that he had been killed, um, there were a lot of people that were on his page. Um, you know, friends, family, uh, the, the faculty at the high school he graduated from. Anybody who knows about New Orleans knows that St. St. Augustine High School is an institution. Like, we survived Hurricane Katrina. Uh, my father went there. My father's father went there. Like, he had a long history. And um, it's, it, it's an all African-American um, private school. Just for black males, um, and it's ran by Jesuit priests. And um, there was, was an outpour of condolences from the community. And then somebody on one of the, one of the many threads, somebody puts on the thread and says, on the post, and says, "Oh my goodness, they they shot Chris. They killed little Chris." And somebody got in the comments and said, "Stop playing. You know you did." The post quickly. Um, taken down and removed, but by that time they had already gotten, gotten into the hands of the authorities. So um, that's that's pretty much how they caught the killer. And you know he was around the, he's, he was around the same age as Chris. Was one of Chris's so-called associates. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call him a friend. So let's talk about the funeral. What were, tell us what happened at the funeral, what were some of your feelings about some of the things that took place, and then what took place after the funeral? Um, I was numb the entire funeral, so, um, what happened is something that, you know, I, I don't wish on any, um, I don't wish on anybody. Uh, nobody should have to bury a child. So it, that, that was really traumatic to see, uh, to see him in a casket. It was very traumatic for um, me to see, for me to stand by and have to watch my daughter go through that. And there was nothing that I could say to fix it. Okay, because death is permanent. I, I couldn't snap my fingers and make him wake up. So um, that, that, that was, that was it. Um, but as I, you know, and I'm not a petty person, so I let it all roll off my back. But if we're going to examine that day and be truthful, um, it spoke a lot to how dysfunctional blended families can be. Um, I wasn't, I didn't, let me say this first. I was not looking to be mentioned in the program. Uh, my, my ego was just not that big. I, I could care less if I was mentioned in the program because the thing I loved, the person I loved was gone. Who cares about me being mentioned in the program? But since we're mentioning step parents, because his mother was had gotten married again, um, and Chris had lived with this this gentleman. I mean, like during you know his life. So, and she was no longer with this man. She was divorced from this man. He was mentioned in the program. Um, I wasn't. I said, okay. There was um, 
several pages because the, the program was like a book. It was really laid out. There were several pages of like pictures and collages and things all throughout uh, Christopher's life. And it was all from the perspective of her. I was nowhere in any of those pictures. His father, because I, I can take all of those hits, it's fine. But, and even though I, me and my ex-husband are not together, I'm still very protective of him um, because we do have a friendship. And that's my, that's my daughter's father. He might've been in three pictures. And he is and was an actual father. Um, and not just with money, he would visit New Orleans almost every month to see his son. Um, and like I said, Chris would spend all his summers with us in Atlanta. Um, you know, it just was t-shirts. That's a big thing in New Orleans. She did t-shirts. My daughter didn't get a t-shirt. I didn't get a t-shirt. Um, my parents came to the funeral with me, my sister because Chris was a part of our family. And um, and I wasn't looking for any acknowledgement with that. I, I wasn't. But I noticed, I just noticed things. I just noticed things. And it really kind of surprised me because I, I never, I, I never thought that her and I had a problem. I mean, you know, we weren't best friends, so that's kind of weird. We both were married to the same man, but did raise your son for several years and you never had one argument or one disagreement and I didn't I felt I did feel cut out but um that was the least of my worries at that point you know but it but was it right no no and did it um did it look really divided from her end it did it really really did um because I had a whole life with her son that she had no clue about. But then, but then again, I think she did because I'm sure he talked to her about all the things that we would do together. And so after the funeral, um, you, you said a lot of his peers, a lot of people from the school attended the funeral. And then afterwards, there was a whole different group of kids that came. Yeah, so after the funeral, you know, that's family, that's his real friends. These are people he went to school with. These are people I've seen. These are people we know, right? His, you know, his best friends, things like that. Uh, you know, his band director, all these things. And then there's, so after the funeral clears out, and of course, you know, I, me and my family, we were, my mom and my dad and my sisters, we were like some of the, the last few to kind of leave the, um, the mausoleum, like the, the grave site. Um, I saw another group come, and I just, I, I just, I know. I mean, I, I have a pretty discerning spirit. I don't, I don't say as much as I can say, but I pay attention to everything. I pick up on it, and I knew I said, "Oh, that, that's the friends, those friends." And I know because they, 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 first of all, you didn't have enough decency to put on your clothes and come to, you know, you couldn't come to, you know, the, the, the repast. You didn't come to the burial site. And, okay, and then you, you sit in front of my son's 
where my son's casket is, and you know, on the steps of the mausoleum, and you smoking, smoking weed, and playing music. So, I, and I asked my ex-husband about it, and he said, "I never seen him, but I've heard, I've heard them in the background. Like my son would call me, like Chris would call me, he'd be riding in the car, and I'd be like, who, you know, who's that? Who's that? And he'd be like, oh, nobody, Dad, nobody." So, you know, I'm not saying that they, I'm not saying that they were the ones that did it. We know who did it, but this, this was, this was your clique that you didn't want us to know about. This was your other life. Um, this is why, like, from a, from a standpoint, like, um, as an educator, I always try to tell parents, stop telling the teacher what your child would never do. I stop doing that. It's so disrespectful to people that see your child day in and day out. Your kid is a different kid when you are not around. You can take that to the bank. And that can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. But, you know, these people, you can't, you have people out here, you can't tell them anything about your children. And, you know, it doesn't hurt just to listen to a person. To keep your eyes open. And, and, and I mean, I, you know, I don't know if my ex-husband was, I, I can't tell you if him and um, his mother were in denial about what they were seeing, if they had already got pushed out of control. A lot of things I can't really tell you because they shut me out. I was shut out of, of, the, of being privy to any information. So, you know, Maybe I could have helped. You know, because I truly believe it takes a village to raise a child, but you have to, you gotta humble yourself and you gotta open up and you have to, you have to ask for the help. And, and stop worrying about if people are judging you and your parents. Yes, yes. I think that had a lot to do with it. And you know, hey, even if you think, you know, and I, I didn't, I didn't say too much about it at that point because I was receiving all this information. He was already, he was already gone. So what could I do? But in my mind, I was thinking, hey, if you didn't even respect me as a stepmom, you could have came and asked me some things as a, as a professional. My, 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 my whole 15 years in this, in this whole education game has been dealing with children. And, and, and middle school and high school kids at that. I, I could have shared with you something or at least pointed you in the right direction to a resource if you didn't want me included as his as his stepmom. Because when I divorced my ex-husband, I divorced you. I didn't divorce your son. <laughs> there was still a relationship there. But like I said, I'm not gonna blame my I'm not gonna blame Chris for not sharing certain things with me. Because kids are gonna lie to their parents about stuff like that. I'm sure he was lying to both of his biological parents. Um, but the reason why you're going to know more is because, well, he's living in a house with you, so there's only so much that you can hide. But you can hide everything from me because you're only seeing me in the summer. You're only talking to me on the phone. You can do, you can tell me any story you want. And if I don't have another adult to fact back check it with, I'm going to be like, oh, okay, everything's great. I mean, he would always tell my daughter the right things. He even blocked her off all his all of his social media accounts. But I really thought I said, well, maybe because he's 
you know, he might be posting a little crazy stuff, looking at a man, he's grownish, or he's dating girls. And my daughter, you know, is very, was young, she idolizes her brother. I said, well, just stay out your brother's business. Maybe he don't want you to see certain things. Um, but maybe it was deeper than that. Yes. If you all have type of men or jump in, Miss Dominic, what do you say to uh, potential step parents or those uh, in blended families? What What do you tell him? What has been the most painful part for you? Maybe even uh, during the divorce and dealing with his death, knowing that you can't really or you couldn't really continue and develop that relationship like you wanted. What do you say to other parents to keep them from dealing with the same thing or how do they guard their heart or do they guard their heart? I know that's a lot of questions, but it's all the same. Yeah. Um, well, the first thing, we talked about this a bit in our pre, our little pre-interview, our conversation. I firmly believe that if you are not ready to relinquish control, if you are not emotionally mature, then you are not ready for a blended family. There's not a playbook to this. Um, so there's not one way to do it. But I think in, in the blended families that experience success, um, it, there has to be a partnership. There has to be a three-way partnership. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify mine as unsuccessful but it could have been a lot better. Um, because there, there were no fusses and fights. There were, there was no uh, reality TV drama going on between him and his, me and uh, his mother. But obviously there wasn't enough um, communication or openness or honesty because that funeral kind of showed me a lot about how she felt about me and his father who helped pay for his college right college and high school who i mean you know the love that chris had was so deep that when chris was in high school the high schools down there marching the mighty block so <laughs> we went more than we went we went more than one time i didn't go as freshman year but we went the last three years and one of those years, I was in a relationship. I brought myself, my new boyfriend, my boyfriend's son, who was a high schooler as well at the time, my daughter, my ex-husband came with his best friend to go to the parade and watch my stepson. Oh, and by the way, my mother and my father and my two sisters came too. We love Chris, no relationship, no divorce stopped me or my parents. I mean, like my father, that was like his, that was like his grandson. So when my marriage ended, I love for, 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 for that boy did not end. And I, I, I just didn't, the funeral just kind of opened my eyes. I said, apparently his mom must have really, there was some underlying feelings. Maybe she was just playing nice for a long time because I had her son. I don't know. But to be shut out and to be ignored like that, even at the funeral, like even when I got there, 
I tried to speak to her like months and she walked off. I had to like damn near corner her just to give her my condolences and give her a hug. And, and like I said, I'm not expecting anything. I'm just telling you what I observed. I didn't get any condolences back. So, you know, it, um, I would tell anybody, if you are not mature, please go, please go marry somebody who has no kids and don't have none of y'all. Don't start this blended family thing because it takes an extreme amount of emotional intelligence. Um, I also will say this, to, to females, like in my situation, if you are marrying somebody that has a, already has a child, a gentleman that already has a child, you know, there were there were incidents throughout my marriage where, where when my ex-husband would get mad, uh, well, he was my husband at the time, he would shut me out of activities that he was doing with Chris. So Chris played the baseball. That was one of the things. And I'm good enough to pick him up from school. I'm good enough to cook. I'm good enough to babysit when you want to go out with your friends. I'm good enough to do homework, projects. I'm, I'm going to all of the... PTA, the family, doing everything. I, I, I have no kids, right? But here's my kids. So I'm good enough to do all the things a mom and a, and a good step mom should do. But I don't need, I don't need a cookie for that. But, but you know, the minute you and I get into an argument, I'm not allowed to go to the baseball game. And so you gotta watch, you gotta really watch out for stuff like that. When you start dating people with kids, when you marry people with kids, you gotta lay all of this out on the line. Because when people get mad, they use, they try to use their kids as a pawn. And that's really, really hurtful because as a step-parent, you already don't have all of the liberties that a biological parent has. And you gotta work extra hard to, to bond with this human being. You are on the risk of being rejected by this, by, this, by this person. And to have a spouse who, even if it's just a little bit at times, is not fully supporting the, the meshing of that relationship, the bonding of that relationship, that is extremely hurtful. So it just all, if it all goes back though, it all goes up to the truth. You know, if you are not mature enough to deal with this, please don't. Um, Deanna, I'd, I'd like to um, just console you a little bit. Um, and an experience I had in my, these were the words my mother gave me to a very similar situation. First of all, the relationship was between you and Christopher, nobody else. When Christopher needed you, you were there. And guess what? The all relationship will always be between you and Christopher. Not his dad, not his mom. Christopher knew you loved him. And you will always be a part of Christopher's life, whether they left you out at the funeral, the whatever, whatever. The person who knows what happened between you and Christopher is God. And nobody else can judge and nobody else can separate because you were meshed with him in your heart. God needed you all together because, you know, people do that. You know, not, not 
um, negating your relationship and your emotion. But people use funerals to do dirt. They do. Stuff they've been wanting to do all along, they pull that card. Yes. Guess what? You don't give them the benefit or the power to take Chris away from you. They can't. Whatever he was to you, he still is and gonna forever be. So write your name, like you said, you're mature, you're not petty. You just wanted some kind of recognition for what you put in and that's all right too. But at the end of the day, guess what? You were Chris's mom for a season and they can't take that away. So whenever you feel some kind of way or think about the things they tried to do to hurt you and they were hurtful at the time, just remember, I had a piece of Chris that he gave me that they can never take away. Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Lane. Our time is drawing very near. Uh, Ms. Dominic, you have a few comments over here. I'll go ahead and uh, read them. Okay. Uh, that was good how you stayed in contact with him over the summer. Wow. Uh, Dr. Lane says, Tiana, thank you for opening up your heart and home. I feel your emotions for Christopher. Your transparency is healing. Many of your points are therapeutic and educational. I have a friend that attended St. Augustine. Oh, wow. Uh, Talise wrote, I'm trying to gather, is this her son? It's her stepson, Talise. And then, um, I don't think you said, Ms. Dominic, but how old was Chris? When he passed? Uh, 20, 21. 21. Um, how did your daughter take the death? I think you went over that, but um, if you want to. Yeah, she, well, I got the news at work. I was, I was in my office working late and my ex texted me and he said, I got news and it's not good. So I'm, I'm thinking silly because, you know, for the most part, and I'm going to really say because of me, I, I'm a firm believer that when you change you, you change everything around you. So the reason why our relationship, and, 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 and this is not me being dishonest, it's as hunky-dory as it is because I made it. I refuse to live my life uh, in a perpetual state of drama and strife with somebody. And um, I wanted, it was my mission, I wanted my daughter to really feel like her parents still liked and loved one another, even if they weren't together. And that required years of me faking it <laughs> until it became real. And we actually had to, you know, establish a friendship. But when he called me, and he told me, I was like, okay, like, wait, what, what do you have to tell me? I'm thinking he's getting ready to say, um, he lost his job, right? Crazy. And when he called me and he hit me with that news, that, that I, I wasn't prepared for that. And so, um, I, you know, I had to collect myself. Um, I, and I was in the office alone, so, um, I, you know, I had to talk to a couple of people first because I was just kind of like losing. And I, I knew I couldn't go home like that. So my daughter was already at home doing our homework or whatever because I, I, we, live, we live in the area. 
So um, a lot of times I'll pick her up from school, drop her home, and if I had to go back to the office to finish up some work, then I'll do that. And so it was one of those kind of nights. So um, yeah, when I got home, I asked my sister, who lives in Maryland, uh, to meet me uh, there, meet me here at my house. And I just didn't know what her reaction was. And um, she actually, she took it better, better than I thought. She's kind of scared. Uh, then as the days progressed, I saw the behavior come out. So, um, uh, you know, just tears. Um, uh, up until recently, she's gotten a lot better, but inability to make this uh make decisions confused about small things um didn't didn't want to talk about it didn't want to go to counseling um she she processes things different from me i'm a person i let it out and, and i feel like my, my 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 bag is a lot lighter because of that She's a person, she'll hold something in and tell you, I'm fine, I'm okay, I'm okay. And so I, I just continue to talk to her. I do have a friend who is a therapist who, um, we, I won't call it therapy, but we, we talk on the phone with her. Because I, she doesn't, my daughter's 13 and she, I don't wanna go talk to her. And I don't know if I should make her. So I don't know if that, that, I don't know if that's really gonna, I don't want to force her. I don't. I don't want to add any more trauma. I think the way you're doing it, though, is sneaking it in on her. Mm -hmm. I think the way you're doing it is good. That's a good start. You're sneaking it in on her. She doesn't realize that she's receiving therapy, but she is. Correct. It's just conversation. And then I talk to her all the time. And then I, or, you know, I hear on the phone with her dad, and her dad's like, you know, you can talk to me. And um, a lot of times, Chris is not a taboo conversation in this house. So we, we share funny stories, we talk about him, and we laugh about him. I need that. You know, we talk about all the crazy stuff he used to do. She laughs, and so that that that's a form of therapy for her for us too. Because I don't, your brother's life should be celebrated, and every time his name come up I, it, it, in this house, it cannot be made to feel like something sad and so uh we were just looking at pictures of him last night laughing about certain little stuff they went ahead and went on vacation just last summer so my ex took him and my daughter and he has another daughter he took all three of them on vacation they went to like four different states and they ultimately ended up uh of all places in utah which is where his parents are and um and then came back so it was like a road trip and um you know, we were just laughing about the videos, you know, that she had. And I mean, we were just, I guess, you know, like that's our therapy. But I always tell her, if you ever really want to sit down and talk to somebody for real, for real, we can do it together. So um, I'm just I'm just monitoring her and seeing how it goes. But sometimes things, I, I believe I'm giving her enough love and support and transparency. And I am sneaking some of those little sessions in on her with my with, with, with my, my, my therapist friend. But if, you know, I'm just looking to make sure that it doesn't snowball into something else where she needs uh, heavy support.
Yeah. Now that you said that, um, you may want to consider you going and then she goes with you. Yeah. That's something else. Yeah. Our time to that. Near, this this time goes fast. I told you, Ms. Dominic, it was going to go very, very fast. Um, But at the end, we normally have Mr. Wayne to come in and talk from a male's perspective. Mr. Wayne? Yeah, I'm here. I had to take it off you. You know, I really, really wanted to uh, hear answers on some of those other questions. I, I, I'll speak, but if there's any way we could get some of those other questions, that would be great. There was a lot of good questions there. Can you hear me? Yeah, you mean from the chat? Yeah, from the chat. There were several other questions, but I will say just very quickly that, uh, listen, and Miss Dr. Lane said it, Miss Dominic, you definitely, and Chris knew that you were his mom, no doubt about it. And uh, I don't want to judge anyone, but I don't know the perspective your ex took with whether or not you should have been on the program. There's nothing wrong with feeling like you should have been on the program. I wouldn't let it consume you. I know you said that it didn't bother you, uh, but at the end of the day, definitely there should be some recognition on the love that you gave to him, uh, in spite, despite the fact that you ended up divorcing his father. I think that that's phenomenal. I think you're right early on when you said that kids have a problem with boundaries and they tend to mix with the wrong crowds, but they didn't expose you and your ex to who he was hanging with. So that made him vulnerable. A lot of kids don't understand that when they don't say, hey, I'm going in this situation with my boy such and such just in case something happens or uh, even if it's your daughter, same thing. You know, they just kind of go off and don't realize that they could dispel the face of the earth. So, yeah. so I really think that that was that was an important thing you said there. And also, back to you feeling like you're his mom, I think you have every right to do that. When you're in a blended family, you give your time, your love to someone that you care about, whether he's biological or not. I think I shared with you all before, I raised my nephew when he was in the, I think, fourth one in the fifth grade and raised him until he got through high school, watched him get married, had several kids. Now he's doing great, but he had some ups and downs, and he had his time in jail. He had his uh, mistakes that he made, but that he also learned from them. And so I guess where I'm going with that is, if God forbid if something should happen to him, yeah, I'd be upset because he's more like a son to me than my nephew. So be proud of what you put into that young man's life. Um, I, I think you should hold your head up high and have no regrets and continue to talk about him because obviously his spirit is still alive. Thank you. Um, just really, really quick, uh, Ms. Dominic, can you see the chat questions? Uh, yeah, I, I can. I can pull them back up. Can you go through those? Uh, oh, yeah, I see them. You want me to just kind of like skim through them and kind of respond to some of them? Yes. I went through a few. Yeah, one of them was how did you stay in contact with him over the summer? Oh, that was good. I was in contact with him over the summer. Um, how am I now? Um, I'm just taking it day by day. Like, I mean, you learn, you learn that you have to live without the person. What can I do? I can't bring him back. So I went through a period where. I took off an extended amount of time from work. My daughter took off an extended amount of time from school. 
This happened in August. So school up here starts in September. But remember, I'm a 240-day employee, so I'm always working. So, uh, so, she, well, so technically, no, she didn't take off from school. Because when school, this was crazy, because when he passed, I took off from work. And I stayed with her until the first day of school. And it was her choice whether or not she wanted to go back to school real quick. And she did. She she wanted to go, because that's how some people were even processed. They want to stay busy. And she had a couple of breakdowns at school. And she she knew she could call me that whenever. Um, for me, I don't know. I, I dealt with it different. I didn't want to be around people. Uh, in the very beginning, I wasn't eating, I wasn't sleeping. To be frank, I wasn't bathing. And how, but how long can you do that? So I had to pull myself up out of that. And you kind of go to another phase where, okay, I gotta get back to work. I'm feeling even worse just sitting around here. You know, I was just like, I was like a zombie. I was just going through the motions, you know, just showing up to work, people are telling you what to do doing this and that, and then, you know, I would have these thoughts go through my head, like, what am I doing all this for? You know, we just gonna all be dead anyway. So that's when I kind of called my counselor friend and I was telling her about my thoughts. I wasn't suicidal or anything. Um, I just felt hopeless. I just didn't care. Um, but I, even all of that, I knew that wasn't good. Um, it's difficult though because you, I had to do a lot of my grieving or as much of it as I could in private. So, and, and I say as much as I could because my daughter lives with me. So, she would catch me crying, she would catch me crying. Uh, I don't really know if she really picked up on the fact uh, how many days I didn't shower or whatever. Uh, she probably picked up on the fact that I wasn't cooking. I don't really think she was eating much, but some of those other negative thoughts and things like that, I just wasn't sharing with her every play by play because I was worried about her. Then I was worried about my ex-husband. So I'm calling him. And so I'm more worried about the two of them than I'm worried about myself because I'm thinking, my God, this is how I'm feeling. And this was, I didn't even give birth to him, but I loved him all the same. I can't imagine how my ex-husband feels. That was his son, you know, and my daughter. So, you know, it's, it's a lot. Like now, like I said, we can talk about it. And we can laugh about things. Sometimes it still brings me to tears, but um, I have a really close relationship with God. And this, you know, I'm not crazy, but this might sound crazy to somebody who doesn't understand, but I feel like our relationship has continued, I dream about him all the time. And we talk about some of the craziest stuff. And um, and, and I've been like this since I, I've been young. So God has always spoken to me and I've always had a lot of just revelations in my dreams. And that has brought me a lot of comfort. Um, so that's just what that was. You know, I feel like he was headed down a a not so good path. And I don't know how many, I don't know how many opportunities God had given him to possibly stop or turn his life around or what the warnings were. Like I told you when we talked, 
I feel like having two parents alone that's telling you to stop, that is your woman. The Bible talks about that, how you should uh, honor, honor your, mother, your mother and your father, or your days will be numbered. So you don't always have to have a life-changing experience to say, oh my God, I almost got killed this time. I'm gonna stop. Your mother and your father telling you, baby, stop doing this. That, that's God alone, in my opinion. And so I had a friend that talked to me and he put an interesting perspective on it. And he said, if you ever think about it this way, he said, maybe God allowed this to happen. He said, maybe God took Christopher while he still had a chance of him being hit. Say, so you don't know if Christopher would have continued and it would have gotten worse. Maybe he would have ended up uh, killing his first person. Or you don't know spiritually where he was headed. And, and so maybe this was what was best. And so I, I don't know, but I just hope to see my, I just hope to see him one day. Amen. Well, thank you, Ms. Dominic. It is a little after eight, and we usually try to start right at eight o'clock, but you're, uh, we know you had a lot to say, and we were listening very intently. This was hard. I only shared this with you because we're friends. I know. If this was a stranger, I would have been like, no. <laughs> but hopefully, you know, just, this can help somebody. Um, Somebody can learn something from this, even if it's just what to think about in a blended family or, you know, just uh, how to pay more attention to, to, to the one design you see the kid. Um, you know, or, or maybe if you're that mother, dealing with that stepmother, and you should work harder on establishing a better relationship. Um, because if you can't get through to your kid, who knows? If I would have been let in, maybe I could have. You know, you know, maybe I, maybe I could, and maybe I couldn't do, but we'll never know. We'll never know. Thank you, Miss Dominic. We love you, and we thank you so much for sharing. And I hope you actually feel better and, and talk through some things um, tonight. So we, we really appreciate it, and um, we're going to end with a prayer, Mr. Wayne. If you can give some words of comfort in your prayer. Absolutely. Uh, gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you. First of all, thank you for allowing Ms. Dominic to share her heart, her sorrow, her pain, and her love, God. We ask that you will provide comfort, not only to her, but her daughter, and also, you know, others that were impacted, other extended family members, mothers, fathers, all of the people that contribute to Chris's, Chris's life. We know that it was no accident and that he had purpose and that Ms. Dominic has purpose and ask that you will continue to remove all scars and provide nothing but healing so that she may continue to give her best to all uh, the children. Oh, that sound kind of went out there. Wayne? Yep, can you hear me now? Yeah, it sounded kind of creepy at the end, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, amen, and I just want to encourage you, Miss Dominic, to keep moving forward. You've done a great job. Thank you, I will. I'm strong. 
guest. Everybody tell her thank you, because that was a tough one. Thank you so much for yes. Thank you. Thank you. You gave us a lot to think about, a lot to process, especially those of us that have like blended families. Yes. My, my heart yeah. goes out to you. My heart truly goes out to you. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for listening. Yeah, and I, I just pray that God continue to give you peace. And um, yeah, that he just give you some peace. Yeah. And to help you through those, the days when, when it gets challenging for you. And also to help your daughter um, to, to deal with her grief. Because we know that grief, um, if we don't deal with our grief, it will set up, you know, some dis-ease in our body. And I know, and I'm, and I'm speaking from experience, my father passed away five years ago and I'm just starting to deal with his grief. I was in denial. So uh, I, I understand where you're coming from. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Dr. Leslie Inspires. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Also, for more content and resources, please be sure to visit our website, www.drlesleyinspires.com. We'll see you in the next episode.